0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: It's time to get out and about in the garden with Rowanna and Sabrina here on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Or Rowanna and Mark Tuchek is as, as it is today. Hello, Mark.
2: Hello, Rowanna. How are you? I'm really well.
1: Lovely to have you in the studio. I know you were in here last week when I wasn't, but it's nice to be back with you.
2: Thank you. Yes. And uh, I brought you some nice little flowers here to just j- jazz they up the studio. so
1: gorgeous. What, yeah, what's yeah. in
2: there? So these are from my garden at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we've got some things like this little one here is called a, a pink uh, silky floss tree. And it's got these little powder puff flowers. It's our busier jewel brizian. And it's great for attracting little pollinators yep. and bugs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And this white one here is a, a calodendron. It's called a cape chestnut. It's a tree. Uh, this one's a small tree. The albizia is a small tree. And this one's mm-hmm. a larger tree to about six or seven metres. Right. And uh, just wiggling with bees and um, pollinators at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's a, a topical time. Mm.
1: And, yeah. Lots of colour.
2: Lots of colour. A bit of a pink Pink's. thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Except I for this, this
2: little purple one here, that's uh, a uh, it's got a spiky flower, that's a uh, a bush basil flower. Oh, right, and they're fantastic at, at attracting the blue banded bee. Can you smell that? Mm. Yeah, it's got it's quite aromatic. And well, bush basil's nothing like basil that you're familiar right. with, yes, it's more like a five spice. So, Joe okay. you know Mark Olive. Yes So he loves this He actually uses this Because it's like a combination of Thyme and lemon balm and basil And a whole bunch of things This is the same It is Right So that's That's the leaves on it Yep. So great for cooking Uh, You can't eat it fresh Because it's got a furry leaf So like basil you can eat fresh Yeah But this is perennial and unlike basil, which is an annual. Okay. And uh, so you've always got it in the garden. And they've got these fantastic flowers that attract um, pollinators and blue-banded bees. Love mm. I love it. I
1: love it. Your garden's obviously going beautifully then.
2: It's going – it looks really good at the moment. So uh, it's a great time to be out in the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hot, hot easterlies are a bit painful lately. <laughs> so there's kind of uh, raining a bit of havoc in the garden. But um, yeah, that's a great time to be gardening. So, <clears throat> good time.
1: If you're someone like me who would much rather be looking at people's gardens than um, actually being in the garden, then our next guest will be able to help you out with that. She's going to tell us where the open gardens are this weekend. Cynthia, hello to you.
3: Hello, Ro, and good morning, Mark. We've got a gorgeous garden to finish off our season this year, and it's um, 15 Water View at um, Bouvard. If you come along Estuary Drive, you can go past all the markets and then come and have a cup of tea in this beautiful garden. It's um, started off 16 years ago as a sand pit and bit of bush, and now it's an acre and a half of beautiful landscape gardens. And Murray has 220 Westringia West bushes, which he trims into little balls. Uh, there's beautiful big pots of grasses, there's echiums, limoleum, um, beautiful coloured geraniums, just a lot to see. And you've got the estuary view as well. Mm. So very relaxing, lots of little birds. Um, he's certainly had some problems with this garden and it's a great one for people to come and see if they're having these sort of problems because his boar is saltier than the sea. So anything that he waters, he's got a hose off the salt water. He has rabbits and um, bandicoots that like to come and play in the garden. Uh, The possums love the roses. And the cheeky little devils, they climb up the jacaranda trees, or they used to. He's put shields around them. So they climb up the tree next door, which they don't really fancy at all, and jump across to the jacaranda trees. So... Lots of little problems. And then, of course, you've got the parrots.
1: <laughs> yes, of course. Um yeah. Cynthia, thank you for letting us know about that. So 15 Waterview in yes. Um Open today and tomorrow, 10 till 4. There's an entry cost as well, Cynthia.
3: Yes, $8 entry. And uh, I really recommend this one. It's a beautiful finish to the, the season. And before I go, I'd just like to say thank you, Ro, for your continued support. And to um, your presenters, especially Sabrina, Um, we really do appreciate it. People ask, we ask them where they've heard about the garden. They say, oh, we listen to the ABC. Oh,
1: very good. That's what we want to be, to help people connect them on their weekends and get out amongst these beautiful gardens. So thank you as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ray. That's Cynthia there from the Open Garden Scheme. And, of course, you can jump online as well if you miss the details. Or um, we always say our show is available if you want to go online afterwards. Um, you can listen back can jump on. We've just done it at 10 past nine. Um, jump back on later and you can get those details again. But I'll give them to you one more time. 15 Waterview in Bouvard open today and tomorrow from 10 till 4. An $8 uh, entry for that one. Do you go along and have a look at other people's gardens? Do you well, enjoy I that? I
2: certainly do. So last weekend I went to uh, Ross Burnett's garden uh, up in Swanview. Mm-hmm. And it's called uh, uh, the Straw House. And he built the house out of straw bales and things like that. Wow. So that was the house was impressive, but the garden was fantastic. It's on a very quite sloping block. And, uh, yeah, said he had informal and formal design. A lot of Mediterranean plants and this Boulevard one, like he's got two hundred Westringes that he trims. I, can, I can't imagine how long that would take. <laughs> yeah, so.
1: yeah, the time and commitment.
2: Yeah, to, yeah and then so, open
1: it up for other people to come
2: and for eight dollars, what a bargain to just mm. go and get some inspiration ideas. You know, so certainly worth doing.
1: Mm. Thank you. If you want to get on the phone and ask Mark a question, we have got a heap of texts rolling through, uh, a couple of calls as well. But there's still some open lines: thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Today is the day. Uh, if you want to ask, particularly natives and those sorts of things that's what you
2: that's what i do so i do the uh the the bush food plants yes and also water plants so that's coming into season now too so that's the other hat i wear
1: and of course mark is a qualified horticulturalist so he can talk across the breadth of all things plants but i know they're the things that he loves very much um and it's a great opportunity for you to ask him questions directly about those types of things eileen has given us a call to get us underway this morning down in byford hello eileen
2: hello eileen Are you there? Mm, Let me try that again. I I think there we go. Oh, I can hear you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Eileen. We've got you. Can you hear me? We can.
0: Oh, yeah, I've got a tomato plant. It's really big, bushy. It's got lots of little tomatoes on, but I can't get rid of those little stink bugs on it. What
2: can I do?
0: You know, green There's like a little shield.
2: And what... Do you think they're doing what? What kind of damage? They're
0: chewing, yeah, they're chewing, and I think they might be bringing some disease because some of the tomatoes look a bit mottled looking.
2: Okay, like, uh, mm.
0: they so, don't look like they should look.
2: <laughs> yeah, so these are these are chewing your plant because yeah, tomatoes unfortunately um, tend to get every war gun in the sun, and so I don't think they'd be doing yeah. the the mottling bit. But are they chewing the leaves or the fruit or?
0: I think they are, they're chewing, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's loads of them. Like one tomato will have about five on them. I literally have to pick them off.
2: Yeah, cause because stink bugs... Yeah, I they... tried
0: spraying them, but they just fly back on. They do fly as well.
2: Okay, yeah, it's a bit hard to say without yeah. looking at them what bug it is because usually stink bugs uh, have a bit of a proboscis and they kind of um, suck away rather right. than chew. And, right, okay. Yeah, so if they're... If there's a few of them and you can physically see them, you can just remove them yourself. I would do that because...
0: that's what I'm doing, but it it seems like a losing battle every day. (laughs) And they're the exact same colour of the leaves. So you really Mm. have to look at them, you know, and like, oh, my God, there's one. And and as soon as you go towards them, they scurry away. They see you.
2: Oh, it sounds like a game. They're they're (laughs) playing playing a game with you. I, I would just, yeah... Spraying them—it's—it's it's, it's because tomatoes are really—you know—you're going to eat the things. Yeah, yeah. Really, I would just probably just keep going as you are, and just removing them physically because they're only around for a short period of time. I don't think they'll be around permanently, mm. and they usually don't do enough damage to kill the whole plant as well. So, chewing some leaves—that's okay. We can live with that. But they probably do other good things in the garden yeah, somewhere yeah, else.
1: Yeah. Eileen, uh, if you get the chance between now and 10 o'clock and you can go out to the garden and get a photo, mm. that will um, definitely help as well. If it's not necessarily what you think it is, Mark can perhaps give you some more specific advice. And our uh, text line is back, accepting photos, so it's very easy to do again now if you're able to get one. Just flick it through and we'll prioritise um, getting that in front of Mark. nine double two seven twenty. our text number, the same number that you're able to get your photos through to us on felicity wants to talk proteas and she's pulled over in the car to have a yak hey felicity
3: hey how you going
1: good
4: um my husband i'm a terrible gardener
1: (laughs) that's okay that's two of us
4: yep we're trying um and something that always holds us up from actually planting anything is my husband's like i don't think that part's going to grow we shouldn't spend money on it so i would like to put in um Proteas? Proteas. Proteas. Yes, out the front, but we're in Beaconsfield, and my husband said, no, we can't. We don't have the right soil type.
2: Yes.
4: Because it needs to be acidic, and obviously we're on limestone.
2: Okay. He's partly correct, and some proteas actually do prefer a slightly acidic soil, but there's such a big range of them, and a lot of them will do, you know... In Beaconsfield, it's okay. It's slightly <laughs> alkaline in that area, so um, you know you you can improve the soil locally for proteas. And there's we're such...
4: putting in all new soil into the garden beds.
2: Uh, okay. Well, generally you don't have to do the whole area. You can just do it where you're actually planting. Okay. So usually yeah. you want to improve a, a whole garden bed if you're doing a veggie patch or something oh, like so that. Oh, sorry.
4: We've just put in um, garden beds that need soil.
2: Oh, okay. Um, well, if you've actually improved the soil, I would certainly give them a go because they're very rewarding, and once they're established, they're very hardy actually, and make a great cut flower. You can put them in a vase inside. Beautiful. And uh, there's just a myriad to choose from. So. Mm. I would certainly go forth and have a go.
1: (laughs) Give it a go, Felicity, and as we always say, let us know how you go um, when you've got that soil improved and how you need it to be. All right, let's get to a few of these texts. If you want to give us a call, 1300 222 720, you can continue to do so. Uh, Good morning, Rowanna. Would you please ask your special speaker, Mark, that's you, if it's too late, to pull out this invasive native wattle bushy plant. It's very thorny. And do you know what the name of it is by chance? This is from Sarah, who's up in Parkerville.
2: Parkerville. Okay. So it's a bit tricky. Um, It could be – well, there's actually a a local wattle, which is um, Acacia lasio carpa, um, which is called um, – it's a prickly wattle, and it's actually a local one. It's a good guy. So – but – Oh yeah, it's a bit hard to say from the photo which, because it's you know, it's riding right on the plant. Mm. Which um, one it would be if it's Acacia laccio carpa? And it they are prickly, and um, I would probably just uh, confine it to an area and right. not pull out the whole thing because it's a good guy. It's a local one. Yeah. Uh, of course, if it's an area that where you, you're trying to walk and things like that, but they provide a lot of protection for little birds for nesting right. and things like that. So. You Know if it's not a huge waddle and it's only a shrub because I can't tell from the it. Yeah, size the picture's it, very zoomed in. Yep. Yeah, I think it actually could be a good guy. So, okay.
1: Um, if Sarah did need to get rid of it, is now the time, yeah, to do that.
2: Most waddles are fairly easy and you can, um, you know, get hold of some stiff leather gloves and uh, just chop it off at the base. And they don't tend to reshoot like other plants, you know, they won't recover from a hard trim or pulling out. So, Okay. Mm. All
1: right. Christy and Dianella says, "Um, we're turning a large section of established cooch lawn into garden bed in the next couple of months to eventually plant our natives. Any tips on what to do now to try to kill the grass without harming two big grass trees in the same
2: area? Yes, very good. So, yeah, the best technique is really just smothering them. Mm -hmm. So uh, the trouble with... um, Cooch and lawn, they, uh, they grow from stolons, you know, so they kind of suck on and through. And the way you need to do it is you need to put, you know, put thick ca- um, cardboard across the area, then put a mulch on them, starve them out from light and keep it moist. And eventually, because they can't penetrate through, eventually they run out of steam trying to reshoot and shoot, and then they'll rot away. But you just be really careful. So, as soon as you uncover that cardboard, um, and you want to dig down to make sure there's no white live stolons to reinfect the new planting. So, mm. it'll take a while, and it's a good time to do it now with the heat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just do that. Okay, perfect.
1: Uh, thank you, Christy. Good luck with that. We love it when our listeners do their homework that we task them up, especially when they turn it around in about five minutes. Um, but Eileen has followed up from our conversation with a photo of her tomatoes. Oh,
2: with, yes. Yeah, what is a stink beetle, isn't it? Uh, no. So, they, yeah, so they're certainly on the fruit and, ooh, cheese. <laughs> Jewry's out. Um, they do look familiar to me. I'm sure somebody knows what they are. I'll do some homework. Okay, and uh, I'll get back to her But yeah, they're sitting on the fruit there, and but they're big enough to just flick off. You know, so that could be a game. That could be fun. One there, two
1: there. <laughs> I reckon Eileen feels like she's done enough of that. Huh. Um, but thank you, Eileen. We will um, get onto that and come back to you with some more information uh, if we're able to. Uh, Mark, when is harvest time for is it york tubers?
2: Yes. Yes. What's a
1: yolk tuber?
2: Oh, I almost bought them in today. Really? I, I I've got a bucket at home and I should have bought it in. Oh, I'm annoyed now. Normally <laughs> I will right, we'll forgive you. Normally I go, here's what I prepared earlier, so <laughs> when I get things like this. So uh is a um basically a bush potato. It grows right. down Ravensthorpe Okay. And Jeremung Up areas. Okay. It's local down there. And the plant has just got kind of like a wiry stem but it grows like, like these little potatoes and they're quite deep too so they go down about a metre or so. But the plant is perennial so unlike an exotic potato bush where you have to pull up the whole potato bush to get to the potatoes, with the yolks, um, the way you get to them is you just kind of bandicoot down and dig down and you actually feel them pull them off. Right. So they get quite large. Mm-hmm. They... Look like a potato, but they taste more like a, a carrot because they belong to the Apiaceae family, That's okay. the carrot family. And um, yeah, the other common name is like raven's radish. So they've got that crisp texture. But the thing is, um, there's no signs to show when they're ready. So you really just just need to dig down and feel. You just feel away to see if they're big enough to harvest off. Yeah. And uh, so there's no signs above the, uh, the plant to s- tell you when harvest, so a okay. b- bit tricky. Okay,
1: there we go. Thank you for that one. That was a good conversation. Um, Lorna has sent us a text, and now I'm, you know, kicking myself, Lorna, that we didn't suggest this. I could have suggested this even with what I don't know. But Lorna was saying, Hiro, read the lady who called about the bugs on her tomatoes. I had the same problem and contacted My Pest Guide, which, of course, Eileen, is the perfect place for you to load up a photo, um, the My Pest Guide app, if you haven't already downloaded that. Lorna says that she was informed that the bugs are Nazara
2: viridula. Viridula. There, there you we go. go. So viri means green. So that's what they are. There Ooh. you
1: go. Also advised that tomatoes are safe to eat. I just removed the bugs as I only had a few tomato bushes. Hope this helps. I love the program. Good on you, Lorna. Thank you. I love our listeners. They're Perfect. Always, yep. They great. always help. But yeah, that's, that's always an option when you're not sure what it is on
2: your plant that you can... And I've got my pest guide on my phone, and I didn't even think. They'd no, it's so all right. There you go. Yeah.
1: Lorna was there to rescue us both, so yeah. that's super handy. We'll get back to your calls in just a tick. We'll just uh, answer this one for Karen on the way there. Mark, good morning. Can you please recommend some native succulents for my garden?
2: Wow, native succulents. <laughs> there you go. So there's a myriad of Australian native succulents, and uh, a lot of them are edible too. Right. So they're really good. So we have got things like. Um, there's things like uh, the sea purslane, which... You've brought that in here before? I might have brought it in. It looks like um, a portulaca uh, type family, but it's a, a ground covering plant with a little pink flower and it's a great um, perennial plant, grows to about two metres round. And it's a great vegetable, so you just clip off the tips and you can stir-fry them and things like that. But the little pink flowers are great for attracting pollinators too because, as I mentioned before off-air, it was actually National Pollinator Week this week. And uh, so that's a great inclusion for the garden. Uh, We've also got other native succulents like um, the samphire, which grows in the saline flats in the Durban Yerrigan here. Mm -hmm. And you can just harvest that and use that as a sea asparagus. That's a a native uh, vegetable that you can eat. And there's just others. uh, There's... Uh, there's Calandra, Calandrina, sorry, Bolensis. That's a lovely little succulent plant. Beautiful little pink flowers. Uh, there's just so many, but uh, they're more of a specialist thing, so you, yeah, okay. you have to go looking for them, you know, to get hold of them. Yep.
1: Cool. Nice one, Karen. Thanks for asking. Um, let's go to a few of your calls, 1300 222 720. Claire's given us a call up in Kingsley. Hello, Claire.
5: Yeah, hi, guys. How are you?
0: Good. Good, good, good. good. I just had... Um a question about potted fiddly figs. So I've got um, a couple and they're in lovely condition and growing happy and healthy. And every time they kind of get root boundish, I suppose the roots start to creep out the bottom. I take them out and repot them into a slightly larger pot, yeah. um, but I've kind of got to a fairly large pot now. And so when do you stop going up in pot size and what do I do? Cause I'm in kind of a big 30 centimetre large pot um, and we've hit that spot again now. So, Do you just keep going up until they're in the pool or how big do you go with the pots?
2: No, that's okay. Well, um, see, plants in pots like that, it doesn't really matter if they get root bound because they're they're in a pot. They're totally reliant on you for their water and fertilizer and everything else. Love the dog. (laughs) And and so um, you can keep it in the same pot. And what we tend to do at the nursery is you can even pull it out if you want to. Uh, you mm-hmm. can even trim the bottom roots off, you know, just remove a third of the roots, just either saw them off, put some fresh yeah. potty mix back in the same pot and then stick it back in the same yeah. pot. So you can keep doing that. The only problem is you just don't want the roots just coming out of the, the uh, holes at the bottom of the pot. So just keep trimming them yeah, off. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, because that's where they're at at the moment, and I just wanted to have them keep going up pot size. But I can take it out, trim off a third, refresh the potting mix, and pop them back in. In the just same pot, perfect. Tucked in. Yep. yep. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. No Thank nice. you,
1: Claire. Staying on um, pots for a moment, uh, Joanne Duncraig says she's got a dwarf peach in a large pot, which is seemingly quite healthy and starting to develop fruit with a thumbs up. How long can it stay in this size pot and would it be okay to transfer it to a wine barrel when the time is right?
2: Yeah, well, certainly, yeah, dwarf peaches uh, don't tend to get very big anyway and the fact that they're in a pot, you're restricting their growth as well. So, ultimately, it could just stay permanently in a wine barrel size. Right. And you just kind of just trim it accordingly because they only get to, you know, a metre and a half round um, in yep. size. And, yeah, it's, they're great... Pot plants, just use a good quality potting mix in that yep. pot or wine barrel, but it'll just stay there indefinitely. Yep. All right, Very good. Mm.
1: Let's talk soil prep. That's what Ian wants to talk about. He's in Westminster. Hey, Ian. Good morning,
6: gardeners.
5: Good morning. Yeah, uh,
6: a little side issue before I get to my problem. Mm. The good news is my grandson's going to uh, go to be horticultural.
2: Nice. Um, Yep.
6: Go, go to tape, and yep. if he does so, I'm going to insist to his mother that he goes a lot further than that, get into the plant breeding, like wheat varieties, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, with CSIRO. I hope he, he broadens his scope when he does it.
2: There's so many got, different fields like once you get into horticulture, you can branch out. See what yeah, I did,
6: I well, the, the soil... The, I'm an ex-farmer, of course, so we grew wheat down there, blotthole, etc. Yeah. Uh, canola, all, all the rest of it. And my son took over managing a property out of Williams, we was, was very dependent on the uh, live export trade. They, they had the trucks and that for the pellets, and they used to feed the ships. So we're a ex-farming family. Now, my uh, problem is uh, my next-door neighbour tells me, she's got green fingers this lady, she said she got rid of the sand, now they're both of these uh, uh, homes west, but she got rid of the deep sand and replaced it with good soil. And being a pensioner, she said it cost her a fortune, um, I, I'd have to talk in feet, the, the sand here on a bit of a sand hill is a foot deep, it really is. And the gardens suffer a bit. I've got good uh, good cover from the sun from a, uh, what do you call it, the tree? The chilton wax, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, and the shade is terrific, so I'm keeping it propped up, make certain it stays there. And, and I've got lemon trees growing there, but I am interested in... The soil preparation. If I, how deep would I have to remove to improve it?
2: Right. Well, Ian, the the, the lucky thing is you don't need to remove that soil, or all you have to do is just improve it locally. So you can add organic matter, you can add uh, clay-based products and things like that. So you don't physically need to remove sand right. and then just replace it. So adding those products continually will actually slowly improve your soil so do with that be a lot cheaper for you yeah. and uh the, the plants will love you for it
1: good on you ian thank you on our way to subs pick of the week let's go to golden bay hello michelle oh, no,
4: it's just, it's just hello michelle
2: you're having a couple of conversations you, like? Michelle. Yeah,
4: <laughs> she... busted <laughs> sorry about that um Yes, my question is we've got a this um a little potted um kangaroo paw and um it's going to die. um Is there anything I can do to keep it alive? I had kangaroo paws before as little seedlings from um like the council and they've grown to a little you know a little bit more than a seedling, but they always eventually die once I put them in the garden, so I don't want to kill this one as well so is there anything I should do
2: sure um it's a good thing you weren't t- talking about the neighbors or something like that <laughs> on air. Yeah. Just uh,
4: traffic intersection. Uh. <laughs>
2: So, is it the like red and green kangaroo paw that you've got,
4: Ooh, or is, there, is I it, Was think there a name? So, okay. Um, oh god, I'm not sure.
2: So, um, the red and green ones do tend to be if you buy them as seedlings and things like that, they tend to be more annual plants. But the new uh, varieties that they breed are perennial, so they'll keep going. So, the best thing to do is to make sure you chop off the flowers when they finish. So, chop them off at the base. And, again, use a good quality potting mix uh, because, you know, the old flowers take a lot of energy out of the plant and if you use a good quality potting mix to keep them in the pot, you, they should keep going for you, yeah?
4: Okay. Yeah. So it's good to keep it in a pot, but is it good to put it in a bigger pot? Like they don't like to be root-bound, it's okay to have it in a big pot so they can just stay in the same one?
2: No, they don't need to necessarily be in a big pot because, you know, they've just got a little fibrous root system. They don't have a tap root or anything like that. Uh, but the important thing is the quality of the mix in that pot.
4: Oh, so get native mix specifically? Yeah, you can get a
2: native mix or a, an Australian premium potting mix in a pot and they'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. All
4: right. And how often should you water them? Just, that's the problem. Just
2: keep them damp and just use a slow-release fertilizer on them. And there's a myriad of other kangaroo so, paws. Yeah. You can put a whole bunch of them together. So, yeah, okay. great, great pot plants.
4: In terms of um,
2: slow-release fertiliser, can you just use the NPK or is that no good? No, don't use that. Don't use that. Just use a slow-release uh, fertiliser. So make sure it says slow-release on the packet uh, and avoid NPK blue-like the
1: <laughs> Good on you, Michelle. Thank you very much. On our way to Sab's Pick of the Week, um, one other on kangaroo paws, actually, Mark. Um, Judy has sent us a photo. Can you please tell me what's going on with this kangaroo paw, she writes. I'm in the Lake Clifton area. One half is healthy. The other looks diseased.
2: Yeah, that's what they tend to do in the wild. So they just get a bit ratty after time. So you can clean it up, just remove the, the spent flowers, clean up the old foliage around the base and... Uh, that, uh, that new one that's coming out the side will slightly overtake the old one. You can just dig it out and uh, it'll come good. But that's what they do in nature anyway, so okay. quite fine.
1: There you go, Judy. Thank you. Thank you to all of you sending through um, all of your questions, but, of course, the ones particularly about native plants. Uh, nice to have a bit of that flavour throughout the show and makes perfect sense when we've got Mark Tuchek at our fingertips tip- to answer them for you. It's 28 away from 10, so let's jump into Sab's Pick of the Week.
4: It is that
0: time again, it is Sabrina's musical pick of the week, pick of
6: the week.
5: I, I, I know you're going to dig this. Here we go now.
1: It is the last one while Sab's away. She'll be back in the studio next Saturday. Of course, she's been in New Zealand for the last three weeks, having a look at gardens. If you've been on Sab's social media, wow. Wow. Um, Some absolutely beautiful gardens that she's been sending photos of um, while she's been over there. So with that flavour in mind, she has sent our um, our song pick this week, which is Rongo Ramehini by Kahurangi Māori Dance Ensemble. Apologies if I didn't quite get that right to all our Māori friends who are listening. Hopefully it was pretty close. Uh, This is the song. We'll play it for you now and you can tell us what you think. 0437. there we go. What did you think of that? 0437922720. We'll get some of your thoughts and also head back to your questions, uh, gardening questions with Mark in a tick.
3: A flat top trade truck veered very violently into my lane behind me. Had I not braked as quickly as I had, the front of my car would have gone under his tray, possibly killing or maiming my son and myself.
2: Mornings with Nadia. This was
0: someone who was allegedly trying to run her off the road. No one deserves that.
2: No, of course they don't. We've sent you the details. I'll follow it up and see where they went with that investigation. ABC Radio Perth and WA and on the ABC Listen app.
1: Gardening with Rowanna and Sabrina On ABC Radio, Perth and WA Although, of course, it is Mark Tuchek with me In the studio today 23 away from 10 o'clock uh, It's a banger Beautiful voices, says Ricky in Kiraween. Uh Paul from Hovia says So where is Sabrina now? was that a party in her garden? <laughs> Quite possibly um, Annie Was there someone being operated on Without anaesthetic in the studio? Oh, that's Harsh.
2: Harsh. Harsh, Annie. (laughs) Uh, You can let us know. Uh, What did you think, Mark? I liked it. Yeah? I thought it was really good. Yeah. Normally, Sabrina's been throwing some curveballs at us, but... (laughs)
1: I really enjoyed that. It was a bit tame for Sab, really, despite yeah. Annie's description of it. Um, if you've got a question for Mark, we've got just over 20 minutes. So you can give him a call. We've got a few lines open now, 1300 720. Otherwise, we've got a mountain of texts that we can keep making our way through. Um, Mark, Danielle in South Perth. Oh, Juliet, sorry, sorry, I'll just throw in a few more of these. Juliet has said, loved Sabrina's pick. Fiona says, Sabby's Choice, loved it. Thank you. I think it's largely thumbs up for her so far. If I see anything conflicting with that, we'll let you know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Danielle says, hi, question for Mark. I have Yellow Buttons native plant that was partially shaded, but now I've removed the shade and it's all matted in the middle. Can I cut the plant back to encourage new growth in the centre?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, uh so the yellow buttons is Calocephalus and it's a fantastic plant but it was just in the wrong location. So you can see in the picture it's got uh, dead in the middle and all the growth is on the outside because it was too shaded. So what I would recommend is instead of cutting it all back, I would cut every single, every second little side lateral back and then that will encourage new growth from the middle. And then once you st- they start to see new growth appearing, then cut the other ones back. Okay. So do it in stages. Do every second lateral mm-hmm. and uh, it, it should come good. They are a great plant. Put a bit, a bit of wetting agent on it and uh, it should come good. Yep, okay. Lovely.
1: Good luck with that one, Danielle. Thank you. Uh, this one is from Tash. Hi, Mark and Roe. I'm in Margaret River and my friend Japani is unhappy. I have two with green growth and three more looking like this sad example that I 've sent you a photo of. They're in large pots. Should I prune and repot what would be your advice?
2: Okay, I think that uh, oh, it's sorry. probably got it's probably got too much of a good thing. I think it might be too wet, and either at the bottom of the potting mix there it's actually um it's gone off, right? And it's too wet at the bottom of the pot. So yeah, because they're frangipanies can be uh, grown on the drier side, mm. especially when they're, they're semi-dormant. But this one's not even shooting. So yeah, I would certainly even probably repot it because uh, that potting mix has gone off, mm-hmm. and then don't overwater it. Mm. Okay,
1: that makes sense. Um, Rachel is in Ellenbrook. Can you please, Mark, tell me if these leaves are anything that needs treatment? They're on our coral gum trees, which were planted on our verge earlier this year. Other than these spots on the leaves, they all seem very healthy. We've been f- applying seaweed solution and they were planted with good soil prep. What's your thoughts, Mark?
2: Yeah, uh, I think the leaves are okay. They're just older leaves on the plant. So what's happening is, you know, if the rest of the leaves are looking healthy, all the growth is, uh, the, all the energy is going into the new leaves and... They just take nutrients away from the older leaves before they fall off. And of course, the older leaves look a bit red and a bit startling, if you like. But uh, perfectly natural, nothing to worry about.
1: Okay. Yep, Very good. good. There you go, Rachel. Uh, morning, Rowan Mark. What can I do about the pesky white fly taking over my garden? Geraldine in Darkin asks. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. So the big problem at the moment is the time of the year for white flies. White flies are just tiny little um, flies, only a few millimetres. Um, white, and they tend to congregate um, amongst plants in, and you walk past them and there's little white clouds that pop up. You know, They're weak flyers, but they're usually sap sucking pests. So they suck away on something uh, in the garden. So I would recommend uh, increasing the air circulation around the plants mm-hmm. uh, because they usually like protected little cozy areas. So if you can thin out some plants, uh, allow more light and air to them, uh, sometimes a little soap spray will uh, deter them, And uh, but they only hang around this time of the year and they disappear. So, yep, um, okay. a few things to do to, to control them, yep. Sounds good.
1: Hey, you've got a follow-up caller from when you were... Being a radio star earlier in the week, uh, Greg said that he wanted to send you a photo of the beetles that he was talking about the other day that were in his raised garden bed. Um, you were on the ah, afternoon show and he called in.
2: That's correct. And he yeah. wonders
1: if you could help with what's the best way to get rid of them now that you know I've seen the
2: beetle. Yeah. So that, because we, we thought, because you know when you put a lot of organic matter into a raised garden bed, you get a lot of slaters you right. know, yep. um, affecting the the um, decomposing matter. But this is a little um, weevil, and again, I'll have to get a, whip out my pest guide and uh, take a photo and <laughs> su- submit that in. But if there's only a few, I really wouldn't be concerned And uh, because there was, he was a bit concerned about planting uh, when those beetles were there. But uh, really, I don't think they're going to do a lot of damage. It could be a weevil of some sort, but if there's only a few... Then I really wouldn't be concerned, you know, uh, if there was mobs and mobs, that could be a different thing. But uh, I'll certainly check them out on the pest guide. Uh, now that we've got a photo, I'll get it off Mickey later.
1: Yep. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you. Um, Francis from Mindari. Everyone wants to text their questions through today, Mark. That's okay. <laughs> if you want to just give us a buzz, 1300 720. But you're right. We can just work through them this way. That's totally fine. You just might get sick of hearing me and Mark talking. Um, Francis from Mindari says, love your show. We have a jacaranda in a pot and would appreciate tips on planting out as we've had no success with the pa- in the past with doing that.
2: Oh, no success with the jacaranda. Gosh. Um,
1: Are you suggesting even I could grow a jacaranda, Matt?
2: I reckon. (laughs) Uh, They're pretty tough, you know, but again, it's all in the preparation, isn't it? So because plants are growing in pots, you know, you buy them from the garden centre, take them home, they're in pots, in potting mix. So the biggest mistake people make is they go and they just dig a hole, stick it in. Usually what happens is, because uh, if you don't improve the soil, the roots just hang around where the, all the good stuff is and they don't bother going out into the poor stuff. The roots just go, oh my goodness, I'm not going out there. And then you end up with a big pot plant in the ground and then it stressed out and dies. So the main thing you need to do is improve the soil, use a soil conditioner and you want to make it 50-50. So you don't want to make it really good. So you want to you know, make that the roots transition from the good soil into the poorer soil, you know, slowly. So a 50-50 soil conditioner mixed into the planting hole. Uh, you want to stake it, keep it damp until those feeder roots get out into the ground, you know, over summer. Mm-hmm. And then once it's established, they tend to look after themselves. But it's that critical time when you first plant it. Okay.
1: Mm. The Christmas lights got turned in on in the city of Perth last night. Our phone lines just got turned on and they're lighting up much nice. like there these Christmas lights. Um, Dan has given us a call in the Midwest. Hey, Dan hi hello. good how can we help uh, um just i've got a nice
6: bottle brush and it's sort of still flowering at the end of it and i was just wondering when the best time is to prune bottle brush and i've also got a honey myrtle next
2: to it or close by yes so yeah good time to prune bottle brushes now because that'll help uh, encourage a bit of new growth and they'll flower better for you next time so as a general oh. rule after they finish flowering is a good rule Um, Some bottle brushes, you know, spot flower all the year round. But, um, you know, you won't do any harm by trimming it. And uh, you've got a good combo with the the, uh, calistamine and a melaleuca close together. Hmm. Yeah, right.
5: And how about any fertiliser
6: recommended or just leave it? I've never even
2: fertilised it. No, well, there you go. I probably don't have to. So, yep, I really wouldn't. If it's done all right without fertiliser, then don't bother.
6: The honey myrtle
2: doesn't do as good. Uh, that's sort of just hanging on there. Now, like a third of the trees is dead, or two thirds of the trees dead, only a third's alive, sort of. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I was just wondering if you, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, s- uh, slow release fertilisers because you can't, you know, bugger them up if you use a, a quick <laughs> release one or burn them, you know. <laughs> so use a slow release fertiliser. There's plenty available. There's some organic ones. And inorganic ones, and little kind of cap um, tablets and things like that for trees. So, okay. Yep.
1: Good on you, Dan. Thank you for giving us the call this morning. I had a little chuckle during Dan's call because I was reading text messages while you were responding, and I'm always a sucker for dad jokes. But to get rid of the beetles, throw them a Rolling Stones.
2: Oh no. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Diane is in Mandra. Hello, Diane. Oh, good morning! Thank you for taking my call. No
4: I've got a dracena that is twenty uh, odd years in the ground, and it's ten centimetres thick trunk, and I can't dig it out. I physically, am not going to be able to do that. Can I cut it off and put it, and somehow put it somewhere else in my garden, or do something to make the roots grow again?
2: Yes, you can. Uh, Dracenas do make very good large cuttings. You know, so. Oh effectively by chopping it off uh, and you can put it somewhere else. What you need to do, though, is you'll need to somehow stabilise it because it'll be kind of tall and floppy, so you'll need to stake it because when it starts to develop new roots, you don't want it wiggling around, you know, so you want it kind of firm. Uh, Then just keep it damp but not wet, you know. If you you overwater it, you can rot that kind of cutting away, so just keep it damp. Uh And it's a great time to do it, and it should grow for you. Yep.
4: Thank you. Is there anything I should put – I'm going to put it straight in the ground so I can stake it really deep. Yeah. Is there anything I should put in the, in the, in the hole beforehand to help make oh, the roots grow?
2: Not really. Apart a, from the normal. Yeah, a little bit of compost or organic matter, just half and half, but uh, one of those seaweed extracts will help it too, and you'll be fine.
1: Good on you, Diane. Thank you for giving us a call. Grand Ag of Duncrag. Good day, Ro. With jacarandas, be very wary. They are like a footy team of the same colour. They look good for four weeks of the year, and then they're just a bloody mess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need double that amount of disappointment and frustration in my life, so I'll stay away from the jacaranda. Thank you, Grandad, done, <laughs> Craig. Oh, no. You know me too well. Uh, Linda is in Luca. Hey, Linda. Oh,
0: hello. Yeah. Um, I've got a poor old cycad that's out the front in quite a salty.
1: suburb
0: and it looks dead but then every year at this time it throws out a big crown of leaves that look beautifully green and then they all die in two weeks
2: okay
0: is it just is it just in the wrong spot
2: uh it could be like some cycads tend to suffer from um like and especially by the coast in limey soils they they suffer from a couple of trace element deficiencies uh, right. so, yeah, usually I think it's like manganese or magnesium and a little bit right. of iron, so what oh, happens... Oh, I've
0: never, I've never put any on the cycad. I've put it on other things, but not on the cycad, okay.
2: Yeah, and the like, cycads, like you're right, they tend to put out a, a big show of leaves very quickly, yeah. and then it's nothing for yeah. like a whole year, so... Yes, it's
0: just it's awful for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, so... Okay, I, oh, well,
0: I might try... To, so it likes acid soil, doesn't
2: it? Not, not acid soil, no, but it's right. certainly lacking a few of those trace elements which cause that deficiency, yeah. Right, all right,
0: I'll
1: give that a go, okay? Very good. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. Uh, we've got a text here that says, could I hear some info about macrocarpa? I live in Inglewood and currently have reasonably well-improved soil, but I adore these trees. Conflicting info on Google read the size, growth, nature, and I know nothing about...
2: Lignotubers. Any, oh. Oh.
1: Do you know anything about those things that Colleen's looking for? Lignotuber.
2: So, um, so Macrocarpa, well, she must be talking about Eucalyptus Macrocarpa, which is, uh, I call it Rose of the West, has a very large, big red, uh, dramatic flowers, kind of grey foliage, and they do grow... Because it's like a mallee, it does shoot and it does develop a bit of a ligno tuber, which is like a swollen base where it can shoot from. Um, Just use a a slow-release fertiliser. Just improve the soil, yeah, Mm -hmm. if you're planting a new one. Just, again, because it's growing in a pot, you need to improve that soil. So, but... Yeah, once it's established, they're fantastically hardy, and they'll um, the ligno tube is like a storage device, and so if it gets damaged or something like that, they'll just reshoot.
1: Right, mm. all right. Thank you, thanks, Colleen. Um, Patrick, which my pest guide app should I download? The one you're looking for, which is from the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development here in WA, is called My Pest Guide Reporter. And I believe the icon should be, a green icon should be, regardless of whether you're using Apple or Android, um, a little green app and it's got a red bug, a ready orangey bug on it. So My Pest Guide Reporter. Hopefully that helps you find the one yeah. that you're looking for. Um, Steve in Armidale has given us a call. Hey, Steve. How you
5: going, crew? Good. Hey, I've got a... Well, 80 year old Morton Bay fig, which is huge. I'm sweeping up about 15 kilos of fruit off it a day. Can I use that as a mulch? And the other question is wormweed. Can I use that as a foliate spray?
2: Uh, You can, yes. Um, So, for the first question, all the fruit um, tend to be messy from those, you know, uh, those ficus this time of year. And yeah, you can use them as a mulch. They're fine uh, to use though. Eventually they'll break down and, uh, well, you might get some babies popping up if they're in the mulch, but uh, you'll get some more morton bay trees happening. But yeah, uh, Worm Wee or uh, Worm Liquid from uh, Worm Compost uh, is very good as a foliar spray. Don't want to use it when it's really hot. So uh, use it when it's under 30 degrees and uh, I think later on the week it's going to be really hot, so avoid then. And you can use it and spray it over the foliage and it's taken in through the leaves that way. So good for both of those.
1: Okay, excellent. Uh, Jane's down in beautiful Denmark. Hello, Jane. Oh, hi. Um, look, I've got a couple of questions.
0: Mm. I know that some people put a plastic liner in a wine barrel before they plant something and I haven't done that and all the water seems to run out. Should I have done that? And uh the well, other- yeah. Sorry. Go on.
2: Well, it's only really. I mean, uh, the the plastic liner is just to help the uh, protect the wine barrel long term uh, from deteriorating oh. quicker. So ah. yeah, you don't need to put a plastic liner in it unless you're going to put it make it into a fishbowl or something like that. So okay. yeah, you don't have Good. to.
0: The other question was: um, I've noticed that jacaranda trees don't seem to grow down in the Denmark area, and I planted one which is struggling is it because i haven't improved the soil enough or will they just not grow in that region
2: they'll definitely grow down in denmark jacarandas they're very versatile they grow uh, most areas and yes it's really that transition from buying a jacaranda to planting it you know it's all in the preparation soil preparation to get it off to a good start so that's the main reason why it's not Not growing.
1: Thank you, Jane. Uh, Nola has given us a call and we've got a photo here, Mark, to go with Nola's call. Hello, Nola.
5: Hello. Yes, it's me again. Good morning to you both. Good morning. (laughs) So, Mark, this is a climbing rose from a deceased estate. I believe it's a red one, but I really don't know. Um, It was two sticks in the ground about three months ago, So, as roses do, but I've really cared for it. Um, now I'm going you can see the the white stuff in the background. Yes. Um, I was going uh, what I intend to do is hang that um, wire mesh stuff up that wall. Now it's in shade right now, but from lunchtime on um, from one o'clock on, it's in full sun. So is that the, a good position for climbing roads?
2: Yeah, well, really, they do need full sun most of the time. Um, But it it looks like it's going to be in a fairly sunny spot. Um, And, yeah, the trellis is right. So you've done a great job. The the, the rose looks very healthy. So you've used a good mix. And, yes, I think it will be a good spot for it.
5: Hey, do you know what? This wasn't part of it. But um, (laughs) when I spoke to (coughs) Sabrina, I, I had been on a rose rescue to a place that was being demolished. And between five of us, I think we rescued something like 25 roses. And I got eight or nine of them. And I've had 60% success rate. These were old. We had to reciprocate a sword, do the tap roots. We, you know, my God, they're so tough.
2: Yeah, they oh. really are. awesome,
1: Nola. I remember you calling about yeah. that. And it's such I a good you. thing to, yeah.
2: yeah, to, um yeah. Revitalize or rescue plants.
1: That
5: it was fabulous. It was a tough day, but you know, and to see them all coming out now, and over the next couple of years, be able to shape them into something that Mm. looks. Decent in your own garden. So anyway, that's just me going. Oh, aren't you clever? <laughs> you are clever, you Nola.
1: Are. Good job. And you know, anytime time you got the reciprocating saw out, you know that savvy will be happy. So, that'd <laughs> be happy. <laughs> bye, bye, Nola. Thanks very much for giving us a call this morning. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes. We'll get through some texts. I reckon that's all we're going to have time for this morning, um, Mark. Uh, Sucker coming off, coming off my apple tree, writes Arthur in Durian Bay, also have off my fig tree. Can they be potted to grow or do I just pull them out,
2: Arthur's wondering? Yeah, so the because apple trees are grafted, so they find a, the good apple and they graft it onto the one with the, the good root stock. So generally the, the suckers from below the graft and from that area really aren't going to make a nice apple. So... I would recommend getting it and just yanking it out, you know, mm-hmm. just pulling it out rather than cutting it out or just trying to dig it out because if you do that, you'll initiate more suckers. So try and yank it out and pulling out that eye. So that won't be any good for an apple. And if it's a fig, probably the same. Okay. Mm. Uh,
1: Nat in Willerton needs to spray her grass trees or belgas for mealybug. Is today too high a temperature,
2: she's wondering. So what are we up to? Thirty-one. Thirty-one
1: today, today yeah, and tomorrow.
2: Oh, yeah, a little bit warm. Yeah, let's and say a really warm week. Uh, yeah, let's say over thirty, and uh, so yeah, don't do it now. Uh, wait till the hot spell's over, and anything below thirty is probably a good. Good time to do it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, Marie gave us a call and left a message to ask about her dinosaur palm, which has got brown leaves at the edges, but it's otherwise healthy. What would be causing the tips to brown? Could it be too much water?
2: Dinosaur palm. Ooh, is that a, like a cycad too?
1: <laughs> you looking right? at me right yeah. now.
2: <laughs> well, tell me what it is. Uh, I reckon it's it's another cycad. So just like that other um, lady from Iluca, yep. Mickey's giving us the thumbs up. Thumbs up, cycad. Yes. Again, they suffer from uh, like, a, it's like a curling or deficiency uh, from manganese and magnesium. So... That's really what they've got to add. That's what's missing in the fertiliser. That's what's missing in, the, in the, uh, the soil. Yep. Okay.
1: And one last one. I have a very large capital pear, approximately 15 to 20 metres high, says cane in Mount Hawthorne. Grows close to the house and provides great shade in the summer and used to screen neighbours, but now a lot of the lush leaves are at the top, leaving fewer leaves where needed. Can cane prune it, remove it or replace
2: it? <laughs> oh, well, a tree like that, you know, you want to just keep it. I would actually prune it so take the growing tips out of it it's a deciduous tree so it loses all its leaves in winter but it's a great time to trim it now and that'll help encourage new growth coming out the bottom so just bring it down a little bit from the sides and uh, it'll make more more of a screening tree for you beautiful lovely Mark Tuschek, you've done it again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, you're so welcome.
1: Thank you for getting through. There were a lot of texts we got through this morning, which is fantastic. Thank you to everyone who sent through a text um, and also thank Thank you to those who gave us a call. Um, those beautiful flowers out of your gorgeous garden. Appreciate those as well. And um, we will do this again all next week, of course. We'll be back with Roots and Shoots. Sab will be back in the studio with us from nine next Saturday. And, of course, Saturday brekkie for those of us in Perth from five past six. Oh, very quickly. Happy birthday, Erin. I forgot your 11th birthday. Hopefully, Auntie Sabby brings you back a baby goat maybe from New Zealand. It's 10 o'clock.